0: Welcome to the LSI Behind the Win podcast. For 50 years, the LSI team has dedicated themselves to the science of business development. We've seen the impact of our work and how it's evolved into economic development and now social impact work. I'm Lauren Lane, the Marketing and Communications Manager for LSI and one of the producers of this podcast. Thanks for joining us today. In this episode, Sean and I are joined by our Chief Technology and Operations Officer, Sarah Bertagnoli. Sarah's been with our team for about seven months now and has been an incredible addition to our team and our corporate leadership. Sarah has 20 years of impressive experience in technology, strategy, operations, and business process improvement. If you have any questions for our team or Sarah at the end of this episode, please email us at social at lsiwins.com. We'll also link it in episode notes because we'd love to stay in touch with you. Thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Sarah, thanks for being on this episode. Before we start talking about some of the LSI discussion, why don't you talk about your background and uh, how we started working together? Absolutely. So my
2: background is in technology and operations. I worked for a couple of big financial institutions over the last 20 years. And most recently, I ran their bank card all of their technology and operations. I was a program manager for bank card, HR, legal, wealth, and retail lending. So my education, a lot of my background is in technology and I am friends with your chief of staff. And so I, I, you know, she'd come to me for just some, you know, basic recommendations or understandings about kind of the technology pieces LSI had or were going through last year. And I actually, she asked me to see if I would start consulting a little bit on the side and, you know, just when you guys to get your infrastructure with technology up to speed, cyber, some of the main critical ones and data. And so I started consulting quickly, loved LSI and everything they did. And, you know, so in the fall, I decided to marry it up and
1: make it full time. And so
2: it's been about six months that I've been
1: here so far. So I had a this great interaction with you while you were consulting for us and as we started talking about some of the operations of the company I was so impressed with your interest in automating a lot of our day-to-day operations and also your focus on metrics and reporting and maybe talk about how you have brought a lot of those best practices from these large fortune 500 companies into LSI.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think folks can say fortunately or
1: unfortunately, I came from
2: a very regulated area working at, you know, two large conglomerate financial institutions prior. And so I'm very process driven metrics driven. I, you know, I think data and numbers don't lie. So I do like, I want those incorporated. And I think that when you've got process identified, you have governance that's overseeing it. Um, These are just tools that, you know, your employees, it's mitigating risk, but also, you know, helping employees so that they understand what the standards are and, you know, how to proceed with different decisions that they may make throughout their day. I also think it was a lot of fun to come into LSI and, just do current state type analysis. And, you know, and I think some people when they, when I do come in, cause I've consulted before, right. They, they like to say, Oh, it's chaos. It's like when someone comes to your house, you're like, Oh, it's a mess. It's don't mind this, but I really feel like I thrive in chaos and, and, and just identifying and seeing where there can be process improvement or automation, and then being able to first identify it, but then see how to make it better, how to cut off, you know, time, how to, You know, shorten SLAs, how we can get products to market quicker for clients and customers, just things like that. So, and I also think I love doing using what companies already have tools, you know, what they've already got today, and not always having to buy new technology. Sometimes technology isn't always the answer. And I I wanted to do what I could do with what LSA had already purchased and had in place.
1: So, you had spent almost 20 years in this huge industry, working for these large companies. What I think's been interesting is that you've taken a lot of the best practices into LSI, especially the management of all of the remote uh, offices and these various teams, and a lot of our strategy this year has been based on how do we pull together the team and also really focus on metrics. How did you see this transition being similar? What was different? What was surprising? So I think
2: different wise, I I came from an organization, we had a very mature kind of hybrid work from home, work from remote locations, you know, type model. And I think LSI, like most companies throughout 2020 and 2021, were thrown into it, right? They were coming into the office every day. So it's like your tools had to hurry and mature. Your people had to be hurry and mature. And, and I think when it's forced upon us versus something we kind of do over time and just become flexible in what we offer some of our employees, you know, I, I think it folks lose how we stay connected, how they stay accountable, how work gets done. And so I think you guys had done a great job, obviously, thus far with being really thrown into the mix of this work from home hybrid situation. I think what it is now is everybody did the work and got it done, but now they're kind of missing those connections and knowing people and seeing them in person and, you know, activities and just different things. And, And that's where the, as you mature through this work from home process, those are the things you kind of figure out as a manager or a leader that you're you know, how to do those things to connect those individuals, even if they're across the country in a different city, whatever that may be. I think now that it's slowed down people, we can really focus on, okay, how do we stay connected? How do we make sure people are accountable in doing their work versus not micromanaging, right? But that we we're setting goals and objectives and they're achieving those because they're professional and they can do their jobs remotely.
1: You immediately came in, and I tasked you with building out the 2022 strategy. And you've spent the last six months really focused on on the strategy. Do you want, do you want to talk about that process uh, for a minute and how you approached? Yeah, absolutely. And strategy, I love. I mean, I think it's
2: one of the areas at my previous, you know, job that I was a big part of and led that for many different organizations throughout the enterprise. So I love strategy. I love gathering. I like doing current state. And some of the practices are what we all learned in college 20 years ago, right? SWOT and just different elements, getting different groups of users and taking, you know, poll of what they thought happened the last year, how they felt about, you know, issues, challenges, you know, leadership, et cetera. So it's getting all of those folks together. It's taking this snapshot of where we're at. We did great, recognizing the wins for sure. And then what we can do better going forward. And so people were open to it here. I loved it. I love jumping into it. I think when we do exercises like this, people can, you know, people can get afraid of strategy and technology. And I wish that they wouldn't, because both just enhance and enhance what you can do what you're currently doing so that you have time to do because most people in their jobs are doing over and above what their job description is so technology and strategy you know and process really make it so you can do your job description not that we can't think outside that box and help when needed but it's freeing up time for you to be more strategic be more creative not just in the day-to-day tasks you know that can overwhelm folks so um, we did we worked on it for a few months rolled it out a little bit later, there's no, um, you know, there's no uh, rule that says strategy has to be out in January. We wanted to do it right instead of just getting it done and checking a box. And so we rolled it out, you know, Q1 into Q1 this year. So we can just really change our fiscal year, but I'm excited about the strategy. I think the four main categories and areas are amazing and what LSI needs and what any company would need, but I'm excited for the strategy and how Each of these, you know, other leaders in the company and teams will help contribute and make it successful.
1: You did such an amazing job with this year's strategy. I loved that you took 150 pages and distilled it down into one. And do you want to talk about what are some of the elements of the strategy that Our both our team and our clients will notice immediately uh, through this implementation.
2: Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones for us will be, I mean, everyone has financial performance. I mean, at the bottom line, at the end of the day, everybody needs to earn money, make a profit to employ others. So that's always at the you know, I think the top of any company's strategy. But the next one that we have that I love is people. Right. And that's that we have recognized this crazy market over the last two or three years. We recognize it's hard to, you know, find folks. It's hard to identify them, attract them, you know, because before you could say, Hey, you could work a hybrid schedule and that would entice them. Well, most everyone offers that now. And, you know, with low unemployment rate, which is great, it really makes it a competitive market for those of us who rely a lot on resources. Uh, So, I think that it's helped in us wanting to identify the right folks, attract the right folks, that we want to retain them. That's our biggest, you know, is investing in their individual development and that they, you know, not only is it that they feel loyal to LSI, but that we feel loyal to them, right, that they're investing as much as we are. And we really want to retain those folks by training or opportunities that they're paid well, you know, I've said a lot of times for a small business, you know, as LSI, they have great benefits comparatively to, you know, where I've been at really large companies. Our medicals awesome. Our 401 ks awesome. We have really great benefits that we offer folks. And so it's just how can we marry up all of these to be competitive in a place where
1: folks want to work. You spent so much time with Jessica Dixon. I, we're so lucky to have her. And uh absolutely adore Jessica and what she's doing. And she's such a central element of our overall strategy. And between the two of you, you've really built this roadmap for recruiting, training, resourcing, retaining the best talent in in our industry. And you and I just met with Jessica last week and talked about uh, some of her accomplishments. It's amazing when when you look at uh, the amount of new people that she has hired and trained and onboarded, and uh, she and her team are doing an amazing job. Absolutely,
2: and I think not only you know just to kind of jump in here is not only Jessica's great because you don't find you know I always had someone early on tell me that for. A CFO and a CHRO. It's hard to find someone who has personality, can relate, and can do the day to day, but also be forward thinking with strategy and bigger picture. And Jessica is that. But and so the team together, I think we work great, and our synergy is awesome. But it's also that you allow us to, you know, to have these ideas and to implement them, and that you support us. I mean, we were at a conference last week with the chamber and. You know, they're talking about with the keynote and such about diversity and inclusion. And we laugh because someone had mentioned we should do, you know, we did all of our other jobs. We did this women in leadership and we said, you know, with Sean, this is different. We're going to have to do like the men in leadership because he's so supportive of women in executive leadership roles throughout the company. Also men, but you don't find that a lot these days. I mean, it's always a program to push someone and it's just something here. We don't have to do because you allow
1: us and support us to,
2: you know, drive these, make these decisions and drive them to success. So thank you.
1: Thank you. I love it. I love the chemistry of this team and how the entire team just is really working in concert uh, to make this happen. And uh, we've already seen an incredible amount of support for the, for the strategy and uh, benefits Even early on, as we've implemented some of these elements, one of the things that you did was you mapped every process within each business unit, almost down to every engagement. Talk about your process focus as part of the overall strategy. Yeah, I think with process LSI has been so
2: successful for over 50 years. And that's, you know, large part due to the employees and folks who run our engagements. And I I came again from somewhere very, you know, the project management office had very defined standards and playbooks and artifacts and templates. And everyone's been operating, you know, autonomously and with some ambiguity, which is great. We, again, we don't want to micromanage folks, but when we have engagement leads project type manager resources, a lot of our resources should be able to pick up with any client any client at any moment and work on any engagement. And so having process and procedures in place and governance around that allows our resources to be able to jump in at any part of the project lifecycle, any part, you know, with any client in any industry. We have them um, from, you know, all over. I've met with folks in, in meat, you know, and met with folks in aerospace. So Really, in order to have that large, you know, the cone of uncertainty is what we talk about a lot and to be able to fit into that cone and be able to work any number of engagements that we have, you really have to have defined process and procedures that can give you steps and and really a guideline and a roadmap of, okay, where do I start? Here's what I ask. There's some of the same questions, some of the same artifacts, you know, project charters that really drive and influence the engagement. And so having those allows us to be flexible in the work that we're assigned um, to our resources, be able to use a lot of our 1099 workforce, because it isn't something they have to be educated on daily, you know, it's something they can jump right into. So process, I'm excited about people have really, I wouldn't say enjoyed it, right? No one sits back and says, I enjoyed change and enjoy process, but they've um, embraced it. And I think that, you know, it, it's just ways that, you know, you're on track and can be accountable and measurable and, and you're meeting the expectations that, you know, we're, we have for you.
1: What I was excited to see over the last few weeks is we've stood up large engagement teams, I have never in our career seen such a smooth transition from close to execution. And it really is this solid process that you have implemented across the business units, all of the practice areas, down to the engagement level. And what that is uh, going to do for our team and and for our clients is we are up and running quickly. There's not a lot of uh, transition time. I, already in the last few months, we've seen significant cost savings to our clients, you know, clear expectations on engagement objectives, uh, milestones and deliverables. It's just so fun to see how you have really transformed the organization into a a a single focus for the benefit of the client
2: thank you and and again i think that's where what people do and where you've got dreamers and thinkers and you've got doers and sometimes not sometimes all the time when you don't have that process or a liaison in between that it's really um that synergy of the the doers aren't involved with the creative folks at the beginning and they're, you know, they're getting just work tossed over the fence. And so we've said that analogy a few times over the last few months, right? We want it where it is a smooth, it's streamlined. It's not just being tossed something because in my head, I think is being a project manager, running teams, I don't want to be responsible for a budget or resources or scope that I wasn't part of help, you know, in the discussions and creating Because really at that point, then I'm just an enforcer, you know, and that's where I say the difference really between leadership and management. I'm just the enforcer and I'm task-driven at that point. I want to invest and be part of that project or that engagement. And so I want to not waste the time to vet it out once it is tossed over the fence, but that I helped vet out that solution or estimate or scope from the beginning.
1: One of the things that you and I discussed last fall when you started (laughs) <laughs> taking over the strategy and, and anticipating what we were going to be doing this year, I mentioned to you that a lot of our focus in 2022 would be working IIJA, the uh, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which is this $1.6 trillion initiative that it was going to entail us penetrating 15 or more separate agencies, focusing on regional projects throughout the United States that we were going to need to stand up large teams. And you really created this strategy that has enabled our team to put together these command centers across the the, And you and I and uh, other members of our team have uh, met with these large clients over the last several months. And talk about your vision for standing up these command centers across the U.S. I think selfishly,
2: really, the process came out of me under for me so that I could better understand what it was. Right. To me, it's a piece of legislation I didn't understand the complexity. I didn't understand how large it was. I just thought, okay, here's another one, like build back better or something else that, and so setting it up or entrenching myself with, you know, you and Josh is a way that I could, okay, understand that, right. We do, no one has the infrastructure built for this last fall, because this just came out by this administration and, and no one really knew requirements and and et cetera. And so it's, building this infrastructure kind of, (laughs) you know, as you go where a lot of us process driven folks don't love that. We want to be, you know, uh, we want to be ahead of the game, but it's building as you go because it kind of unfolds as you go as well. And the different areas that, you know, the different folks we talk to, we can talk to a Dean of a college. We can talk to, like I said, somebody that's at USDA, we can talk to somebody who's a farmer. It affects everyone, So when i say complexity i'm just meaning that anyone to understand this bill is you know just crazy in itself so to have this process or strategy to roll saying hey okay we're going to talk to folks we're going to follow up we need visuals we need you know pricing we need all of this and and it really was kind of as we go we knew it was coming because you had said how big it was in our focus but it until you're entrenched in it i don't think you understand how big it is and so Really, we need that to be able to support and do all the crazy cool things that, you know, you and Josh have laid out for us. So my piece in the strategy wasn't knowing this legislation like you guys do, but it was putting the infrastructure in place internally so that we can support it.
1: I loved that you took the LSI methodology and you were able to package this and place it into these unique markets, working with entities, mostly government entities that had never had to think about business development previously. And two weeks ago, you and I were in northern Louisiana talking with a state and municipal entity. And it was fun to watch you just pull all of that LSI methodology that was really designed for Fortune 500 companies around capture and proposal and program execution and show how we have this defined process for a command center in a fairly remote area that you working with Jessica on building the team and the practice area leads on providing the right subject matter expertise. It was just, it was brilliant. It was so fun to watch.
2: And I love it. Thank you. I love it because a couple of things. LSI has this niche of figuring out something like a piece of legislature like this and how the money is appropriated in the funding and figuring out how it is beneficial for Companies, But not only that, it's getting these companies to think bigger, right? The folks we met with, there were what they probably thought on a medium to large scale, and they were on a, you know, more smaller end of a scale compared to our methodology around these command centers. And, you know, you, the you and the team to say, look, you guys need to think bigger, go outside, let's, you, you know, just how to really take them and make what their ideas are thinking on a much larger scale. And so I love that we do that and I tell everyone all the time we can do anything you want you which I love because it, it is with this infrastructure we work with cyber with you know agriculture we can meet with folks it I, I love it. it it's such a vast array of different industries different companies and I think that's what we do good is we can adapt and we put this program management and process around it and our team and we love it we can you know, have synergy and dive with the, ag. you know, some AG guys here and, uh, you know, close to headquarters. And then we can talk with, you know, deans of colleges in Texas and Louisiana. So I love all the different avenues that we can take and our team's good at it. So it makes it easy for me, but I love putting in the process and, you know, you and Josh, you guys are some of the greatest dreamers and thinkers out there. And I'm the doer, I'll figure out how to do it. You guys sell the big pieces and I'll figure out the execution. So I love
1: that that teaming. It is. it's it's, It's such a great chemistry. So as we set up these command centers, what we have enabled the team in these remote areas to do is, is replicate some of the best practices and scale quickly where we are, Placing large teams that can leverage the subject matter expertise of all of LSI, but to, to be on site in in these locations, working with federal, state, municipal entities, and uh, I have never seen in in our history the uh, someone able to grasp this concept so quickly and just, and roll it out. And it's just, it's been so fun to watch you do this.
2: Thank you. I I, I think one thing I can plug about these command centers, my NJ is that really everyone should care about this bill and, and the command centers are great. And what made it click for me was I, I felt like I saying command center consortium coalition, they're like the new hot words, right? I remember 10 years ago, agile was, and, before that was iterative. And so it, it is, it's one of those really cliche hot button words right now. But the way I think about it and what made it click is that if someone's, if I'm giving money away, I, I want to give it to, a, you know, multiple people rather than one person if I'm awarding it. Right. And so these command centers, too, are another hot word is like the center of excellence. These command centers are the center of excellence they're showing you how to, what funds to go after, who to team up with to be better candidates for winning those funds. And they're really that body of knowledge that is the expertise in this bill. And so, and everything that it entails, you know, with folks that you they can look at it. And sometimes when you, I'd say six months ago, and I pull up a grant, I thought it looked like a different foreign language to me. Right. But now we can, we've got these folks that we can centralize that can understand them, interpret them, you know, shred them out. We understand the funding and the process and what our folks do do. And Sean, you, you and Josh, a lot of this is understanding that how the money is appropriated, that it is now being pushed down to these state levels. So before maybe a command center wasn't that center of excellence or maybe the, you know, the idea at the time, because it was federally funded, right? But with this money being pushed down the way it is, these command centers are essential. You know, they're the ones that are going to know the ins and outs, like I said, and be able to show these small businesses where, what, how, and why they should be doing this bill.
1: And it's really taking the this LSI methodology of building a strategy around the center, interfacing with... The decision makers, so that you have a solid capture strategy and a capture plan. And that entails having our team embedded into these agencies, understanding what they're what's important to them, what they are looking for in their award criteria, and then taking that information back into the center working with our team to formulate the story and convey that through our proposal writing and and win these the overall win themes and it's so as you said it's so complex that it really takes having our the entire team pulling the information and working in concert to make this happen. Right. And
2: the bottom line is is telling a compelling story as to why you need that funding. And what our team does all the way from the capture and strategy to, you know, through that whole life cycle process, you know, through fruition is we will tell you best how to write that compelling story. Who you need to team up with. We have the writers. We have the visual experts we have you know the oral coaches we've got everything and that's what lsi does and we implement our methodology into how best to help you win you know the funding that you're going after i've seen a lot of just in discussions you'll laugh because I, i'll i'll grab sean or josh and say guys this we're giving now we're giving stuff away for free like we got this is our methodology this is what we do this is our secret sauce but our team does that. We can say, Hey, you team up with these folks, you know, we're going to write this compelling story. We've had it pushed into everyone's brains the last few months of why, why us, why should the government care what you're doing as a customer, as one of our customers or clients. And so we do a great job of that whole entire engagement, you know, life cycle. And I, I think our team, We bring in subject matter experts that can talk in these areas. We, you know, we team up with a lot of the agencies and that we have connections. I think our team is, I don't see
1: anyone else doing what we do ever. It's exciting. So you have made the transition from close to execution so seamless and, and it's really, (laughs) You've built this concept where somebody just can open the box and and take out the pieces and start start working. And I think as we replicate this concept over the next several years in fairly remote areas and uh, urban areas, even that the work that you did over the last six months is so critical to this and I appreciated you incorporating all of that thinking into the into this strategy Sarah talk about uh, some of the you know what what was surprising to you as you transitioned into this new industry I think (coughs) excuse
2: me the learning curve you know I, I think in any industry that you whether I was in financial industries I was in medical before that. I mean, the the learning curve or just the knowledge you need to gain around what the company does is, you know, always it's expected. But I think one of the things that was so interesting, and I just tell people all the time, I think it's so cool, it's so cool what we do, but is all of the different funding that I feel that is out there that we can help people capture whether they're nonprofit, whether they're, you know, for profit, we help, like I said, such a vast different array of clients. And that's what I love. And and I'm just blown away by the funding opportunities that we have so many businesses that can go out of business, especially with the pandemic over the past few years. But, you know, folks that have great ideas and can't figure out how to fund them. And and I love it because I, you know, I, I, I geek out on Shark Tank and I think this is Shark Tank on such a big level. So you guys, there's free money and we're talking billions and trillions, not 300 grand, you know? So I think that there's so many opportunities that it's just educating people. And we do that. We don't just try to silo that money for our own purposes. We really branch out and help others through, you know, various programs we have here on educating others, sharing our knowledge and not just for when we charge them, right? It's that we're giving them that strategy or consultation and what they can do. Obviously everyone, like we said before, we have to make money. So when it gets down to brass tacks, that's what it is. But I think we do such a great job of educating folks on how to go after this money and that it's even there. And that was the most interesting and surprising to me. If you're not in You know this business, or really legislative side. You don't know that, and on the scale that it actually is.
1: So, what um, talk about as you were building this strategy? You and I both kept coming back and saying we wanted a plan for the next twelve months, but that we could expand into a decade. And I love that you have the ability to, to think long-term and think big. What are some of your ideas for the next five or 10 years for the company?
2: Um, yeah, I think you said it well. Really, strategy, what you're executing on is the next 12 months, but you really should be building the foundation and the blocks for the next three to five to 10, right, with your strategy strategy. What I see for us is we get to where we can be completely scalable, right? Our infrastructure supports that. That's big parts of our strategy this year. And you do that by process and automation and technology so that whether we have 200 employees or 20,000, that it's the same operation, same SLA, same, you know, everything, that everything stays consistent, and your uptime still at 99%, right? So being able to scale LSI is, you know, big as we can see it and envision it. And then also, I think that there's a whole area of technology that we at LSI, we dabble in, right? We will find positions, but I think that there is such a, with cyber and data and just technology alone being such an important focus and strategy for every agency or municipality in the nation. I, I think that I see us really growing in those areas via teaming up with those who do that or really having our own kind of branch of technology that we can, you know, help folks. We, we can in their strategies and, and meaning the more it is part of their, you know, uh, model or the capture strategy we're coming up with for them. But I, I see it more you know, large scale. And there are some folks in those sectors, right? IBM and some different people that have that technology side. But I really see us bringing our methodology into, you know, technology
1: and marrying that up in, you know, the next three to five. I love that you're such a tech geek. What what tech What technology are you excited about? Are there some things that you... Are following that you have planned to pull into the organization?
2: Yeah, I mean the next one on my docket that is probably you know I've met with folks and is our really increasing and advancing our cyber strategy, and I love that because that entails training, educating end users. That entails testing, which some folks may not love, right? But it's seeing that the education and that you have out there whether that's penetration testing coming from the folks that we're going through cyber and it for right testing our systems my goal is that everyone has this score and if you're a tech nerd out there you get it that score shows you you know it's like a paper in school for english that score shows you where you sit amongst your peers and so mine is really driving that score up And I love the cyber. Like I said, I love that we've got some new tools we're implementing where, you know, MDM, mobile device encryption, some different things like that, that I had worked on previously at the last employment. But I love, it is locking things down, if you will, but it's so that we never encounter a breach data-wise or into our network. And so I, I enjoy it. And that's really where I geek out. So me and my technology side team folks, that's we're going to conferences. We've been talking to, you know, third party vendors and such. And that's where our focus is, is really tightening up around cyber and data.
1: I love it. What um, out, outside of the organization, what other kind of uh, technology are you following? Are you, do you are you following uh, blockchain, crypto? <laughs> <laughs> NFT. Crypto, I have not. It's NFT. So, <laughs>
2: yeah. It, it's insane. NFT. No, some of those I think maybe I've hit that age threshold where, you know, you've played music in your car and your parents said, you know, that's trash, that's junk. So I, I watch my, you know, younger kids that really get into that. And but the crypto and stuff, I I always think that, and this is coming from a very I said, I worked in financial institutions. It's coming from a, a company who has a long line of legacy that they really stuck with the foundation, didn't catch on to some of these new age type things that came out here and there. We were very fully educated and you know on them, but we stuck with true just foundation. And so a lot of that, I think it, it's very cool, but it's going to come back to, right. They lost with crypto once it was, tracked and taxed. And there's always something new coming. But I think with this, you know, kind of steady foundation, I, I love all the cloud stuff. And I think all folks should really be pushing that. I'm a Microsoft person versus Apple. Um, if you're a tech nerd, you're one or the other. So I love all of the tools that they give you to really, you know, have everything in one place. It's streamlining all of your communications, you know, LSI has done it in the last year with teams. I love it. And that was something we really, in my last job, we rolled out mobile and it's making everyone have, which is, can give people a panic attack or not too, but that you have all your information all the time right now. So, you know, with us, I'd like to see a lot of it too, that where I geek out is making folks mobile, right? Is iPads have been around for a long time, but in my last job, we rolled out 1,500 of them and put them in the hands so that folks are nimble and you know agile and, and mobile all the time. We love our laptops and such, but I really get in, geek out a lot more in those areas too. It's just having everything that can be cloud and all of our information in one place because data is such a huge part of what I do that protecting it and enhancing it is key.
1: We have a new client that has built a system for governments to track data through blockchain, and I see that a lot of the certifications and validation will eventually be adopted by government entities through blockchain technology, and I'm excited about uh, this, the, this next generation of web for a lot of the organizations that we work with. Even, I think that um, the new web technology for IIJA and some of the metrics and long-term tracking and validation could be implemented through this uh, technology. And I love that you and your team are so tech-focused. Really, our strategy, and I've said this so many times to our team and to our clients, our strategy, which it never has been previously, our strategy has is really focused on tech, and the team and having our uh, CHRO and you as our COO, CTO have really transformed the thinking of our team into uh, different dimensions and different, uh, it's a whole new Uh, focus for the organization that had had previously been fairly antiquated right and and you mentioned a couple
2: of things and this is what I would add to previous question right another interesting thing I'm coming into this industry and LSI is with technology especially if the customers we do have now are very educated and they've come to us and they're they're great positioning right Uh, to get what the work that they're looking for. But if I could tell folks is when you have the technology in what you can do, and this is again, what I've learned through LSI and our methodology is instead of trying to put that round peg in a square hole, get into these agencies where you can help write the requirements, right? Instead of it going backwards, where you have this technology, you're pushing it on these agencies where you mentioned that are not ready for it there's no structure or governance around it and so it's retrofitting it all the time but get the technology and then you know work with us where we can help drive you know a proof of concept or you know kind of this data testing into these agencies and with the proof of concept then it's setting that standard for across the board instead of it doesn't mean it can't be done both ways we love anyone who comes to us like we said at any point in the life cycle, but. Some of these other ones, they are doing just that, right? That our clients that I love that are in the technology space. Is that they've got these proof of concepts? They understand what they have it is needed and the value of it, and they've come to us to help penetrate these different agencies, you know, or municipalities to tell them why they need their technology. And that's what I would tell folks: is they come to us sooner rather than later around, you know, this for example, our blockchain technology customer and such is they come to us to help you penetrate those markets. And again, that's what LSI does great
1: at and I love. The other thing that you've, you've done so well, Sarah, that I love is that you have built this process that is very quantitative, very metric driven, but you've also brought in, this really young, creative <laughs> team as well. I, I, I just I love the the that you're leveraging the, the creativity of this young generation that uh, have kind of followed you into this role. And uh, so it's not just it's not just metric driven, it's not just all quantitative. You really have there's a very, creative organization as well that is taking these strategic elements and doing some amazing things creatively. And I think leaders need to recognize and identify,
2: right, this younger generation, they're not going anywhere. So we need to figure out how to communicate best with them, how to motivate them, how to influence them. And I think we have, again, a a good difference of generations here at LSI, and I love that. And so as a leader, you've got to be able to, you know, change your leadership style, but you do need to adapt to, like I said, what motivates them, what pushes them. It's not the same as what pushed my father or motivated my father. And so it's learning to not complain about it, but figure out how to, you know, adapt to it.
1: One of, a member of your team was talking to us about, Building NFTs as, as, as part of their creative uh, outlet. I just I thought that was uh, fascinating. So, right, and as
2: they said it, I'm googling what the hell is in, you know reminding me <laughs> then <into all> This <laughs> but, that's yeah. what
1: we we ought to do. This we ought to have an episode focused on <laughs> NFTs and and our work in business development.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but we can learn a lot from them. I, I mean, I think the last place that I worked for, I mean, I had 11, 11 different leaders in seventeen years, and that's a lot. And I, I had one, you know, my most recent one there was amazing. And at first, our our styles were different and didn't click. And I he said, you know, you can either learn something like I have from every manager. Or you can, you know, fight it. And I, I just thought every manager I had, it was a challenge to me to, I wanted to win them over. I wanted to show them that why I was their right-hand man. I wanted to, you can work and learn something from any type of leadership style. And so I think we learn from them just as much as, you know, they can learn from us, but it, it's definitely different and a learning curve. And I think, like I said, we adapt or we're left kind of in the dust with these generations
1: so so talk about uh, what you're doing when you're not working you've uh <laughs> you you have a baby that uh, uh I know that it, it had been some time since you had 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 a baby in the house what what's that like having a new baby and a new career yeah. I, I think
2: that obviously, I mean, I have three boys I have from ages 22 down to one. So yes, having a new baby after 16 years was, you know, a challenge, a challenge in itself for sure. I, I love it. And also, you know, RHR will, you know, probably kill us, but in my forties. And so it's a de- very different experience. I, I think you enjoy it more. I'm counting on him to keep me younger, longer but I do, it's nice to have that energy in the house, you know, just things like Easter or holidays or whatever they, you know, have older kids and especially boys who don't really care about certain things. And so it's nice to have that energy and something, you know, for all of us to look forward and be a part of again, but yeah, it's crazy and crazy to start a new job, but it, you know, it, it was time and to take the next step and, I'm so glad that I did and you know it's worked out great. What
1: had you forgotten about having a baby in the house? Sleep. <laughs> I think sleep's the biggest one. I mean, I coached
2: dance team for so long and and those were early mornings before I started work and But it really, you know, just every two to three hours, the sleep deprivation, I think is the biggest thing I forgot. Everything else I forgot 100%, no matter what. But you have Google. We didn't have Google back, you know, when I had my other two kids. So I've got that to save me now. But the sleep deprivation, for sure.
1: (laughs) So when you're sending me emails at 2 a.m., it's because you're up with your baby.
2: Right. Might as well be
1: productive. So So you might as well. What do you do for fun when
2: you're not working? So fun, we, we love camping and, you know, some would call it glamping. I'm not a tent person, especially with a baby. So we have a trailer, but we love, you know, Moab, um, going with our friends to the sand dunes. We love the outdoors, the UNS. So we do like doing that every weekend that we can. We also love traveling, which obviously with the pandemic and, you know, a one-year-old has been put on hold for the past couple of years, but We're going to branch out and, you know, try to take them to Mexico this year. But I also love reading Flotties that I haven't done enough of lately, just being busy. But yeah, those are my interests and hobbies.
1: Have you read or would you recommend any books that recently? And I, I mean, I hate it when people put me on the spot. I read so many books. I always have... 10 books going. So, uh, when people ask me, Hey, what, what books would you recommend? It's I'll, I'm always thinking, Oh, okay. What did I read? But are there some books that you love or that you would recommend for our team or clients?
2: Yeah. So I, I do. I'm with you. I love to read and you've given me some good ones and I actually got to start one of them this weekend, but I think just because my folks with rolling strategy out, I bought all them a copy and, they're reading measure what matters by John Doerr. So that's, yeah. I I mean, I like that one. I've read that multiple times throughout the years, but really because our strategy focuses on, you know, OKRs and key performance indicators. And so it's a good one, right? If you follow what he's done with, you know, Google and big companies. So I I love those types of books. And then I also love fictional. So I read a Verity is the fictional one. I would, it's a, crazy one that I just finished reading a couple weeks ago too, but yeah, it, it's funny. It's like when someone asks you what your favorite band is, you can't ever think of it. And then you also read and can't think of one, but that one's on my mind just because I've ordered it for my folks
1: um, recently. Now that's a, uh, that was a great book. That's fantastic. One of the things that we've talked about a lot over the last year, even I, I think this has been going on for some time. I saw this discipline of business development executives that this was their career. This was, they spent their entire career pursuing new business and and it was a discipline. And over the last several years, there's been this erosion of workforce. Jessica and I talk about this a lot. How do we how do we continue to encourage bright, brilliant, young, especially executives into this, into this workforce? What, what advice would you have? And uh, if someone was listening to this episode, what could you say to, to entice or encourage individuals into this industry?
2: So I remember back in the day when technology was something we wanted companies to care about and they didn't, right? It was kind of the, if funds are short, we're going to cut training. We cut individual development and we cut marketing. And I, I think a lot of times BD is rolled into marketing, but really it's a, what I would say to them is that we want you know, something like business development should be an actual foundation cornerstone for a business, right? It's how you grow it, how you take the evolution of what's going on in your industry, in the nation, at a micro and a macro level, and how you fit your business model and can grow and generate revenue and income off of what's happening right now and in the future. So I think that they need to look at it as it's something you should, you've got to show them to why they need to care about it, why it's not rolled up into, which again, I I mean, I would say training isn't something you should cut when you want to retain good talent, but it is when times get tough. That's some of the first things that go for companies. And, but it's showing companies why business development matters. And that's through past performance. Like I said, the strategy of evolution that's coming forward And so I I just think of that a lot is, you know, we had a discussion about that while we were driving around Northern Louisiana is our companies just don't care about it anymore. Well, they have to, I, I mean, it's like it, a lot of folks didn't care about it at the first and they have to, you'll never, you won't find one strategy of any company these days that doesn't have technology. It's its own piece, right? Just like process improvement is its own piece, but I remember when that was just telling somebody how to do their job better and, and, and frowned upon. So business development I think definitely ebbs and flows. And it's just getting them to see the importance and take, you know, the, the risk because I think the reward is, you know, so much more of a benefit for the risk that they take in business development.
1: I think it's been exciting to see us as we talked about earlier, move the LSI methodology into these markets that have not thought about business development. So working with state entities, federal entities, municipalities, nonprofits, universities, those are organizations that historically have not had to utilize business development for as a part of their execution. And for us to bring this methodology into these areas, it's really opened a lot of new doors for our team, for individuals that have an interest in the science of, of business development. It's been Fun to see. And uh, I love what you and Jessica and the team is doing to bring this young creative generation into into this uh, discipline. It's it's exciting.
2: Yeah. And I think when you say that it is these folks at you say university, two areas I think of that we've worked with in the last just 60 days, right? Like you said, universities who've never really had to think of business development because in their heads, they are the seats, they're the subject matter experts, but what they don't do is, you know, in one of them, you can think of, right, um, where we met and they kind of, maybe were a little offended at first at, at some of the ideas that our team had, right? And when we got there and talked to them, they just, they kind of said, wow, we I've never thought of it this way. We've never thought about these different avenues, these different projects we could do, and we love it. And, and, you know, they want us now and they want us to do that work. And, and the other areas too, I think is just because someone may not do things with universities, you can't be a jack of all trades and, and be really specialized like our command centers or like our LSI methodology can in individualized areas because you just don't have the resources or the capacity to focus on it like you need to. And and so the other areas I think of is agriculture, right? What would I have in common with somebody raising beef or vegetables or poultry and what we can, they can tell us and explain their capabilities. And then our team can show them all these different doors that they can open. And that's what I think is insanely cool about what we do at LSI but it is bringing in that new thinkers the new generations and you know marrying up the resources that they may not have thought of right they can as some of them have said (laughs) you know had attitudes of what do they know about cows what do they know about farming?" I don't I'll tell you right now I don't know but what I can do is take what you know and what we know and you know like we said marry that up and form a great teaming arrangement where we
1: can help you build and generate more revenue and income. I love it. I love what you're doing. I Thank you. It's, it's amazing to, to see this come together. And uh, like I said, we've seen some great results already from this uh, amazing strategy that you put together. Anything else that you'd like to convey to the team or to our clients? I think our team
2: is, they've had a lot of changes and they've been very resilient. And, you know, we, we say all the time, we, we have such big ideas and aspirations and strategy, and we don't want to get them into a change paralysis cycle, right? So we're being thoughtful about how we roll out, what we roll out and when we roll it out. But I, I I think our team is great. I think that LSI offers, like I've said, just such a nation and capabilities I've not seen in really any other type of contracting business unit, you know, in any of these industries that I've seen. So I love what we do. I love our folks. And I think that, you know, you allow us to have these crazy thoughts and and ideas and to, you know, put, implement them. And, you know,
1: for that, I thank you. Thank you. This has been fun. We'll do some more... Of these discussions. We've got a lot of new engagements that we have implemented in the last six months and i um, excited to see us replicate this work elsewhere in the organization. So Sarah, thank you. Thanks for what you're doing and I'm excited that you're a part of our team. It's been fun working with you.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Okay. Thank you.
2: See ya i